You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Well, I want to welcome you to South Bay Church. Um, if it feels a little, a little empty this morning, it's because our campus is actually having a retreat this morning. So we got to continue to fulfill the youth in our hearts and make sure, you know, we're, we're giving God our best. Um, but this morning, I actually get the privilege uh, to share with you uh, what worship means to me. And I'm actually pretty excited, honestly. You know, uh, the last six months, I was able to uh, actually study out worship, and it really changed my heart so much. Um, I thought I knew what worship was, and, you know, and I, as you guys know, too, I'm also a worship leader here as well. And, you know, I sing songs, and at times, you know, they're kind of just like songs. But something that really helps me out a lot, when it comes to worship, uh, the first part of it in my heart is i got to understand God's grace. Um, without God's grace, it's really hard for me to connect. Uh, I think at times um, I have a guilty conscience or a guilty soul, what you would like to say, but... Um, I know that in Galatians 2, which is one of the, my favorite scriptures, it talks a lot about the law. And it says that, you know, if you live your life through the law, Christ has died for nothing. And so that showed my heart like, wow, you know, without the grace of God, I will continue to keep trying to work my salvation through the things that I do, the things that I say, how many quiet times I have. And I know that from my own heart, it's, it's, not, it's not healthy for anyone's heart, really. Um, and so I hope this really helps you guys. I'm going to read a scripture. It's in actually, it's in, uh, Isaiah 43, seven, and I'm going to read it out of a different translation. It's in the, actually the NLT version, but this is the scripture that really changed my life completely. And the way I see God, the way I do things, the way I worship. And it says, bring all who claim me as their God for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. And I think for me, I think for me, I struggle with envy and I struggle with wanting to look good or trying to be the best at things. And and that's something that, for my own heart, it's really good that I read the scripture when I, when I, at the time that I did, because it really helped me a lot, because everything that I do, everything that I am, everything that I feel needs to bring God the glory. And, you know, it, it's, sorry, hold on one second. You know, I, I, I kind of confess this in the past too, as well, during our worship night, but, you know, I, I, I was always wondering why I always felt insecure when I was up here. Um, I've been a disciple for about nine years now, and I think because I always cared a lot about how I looked or how I sounded um, and never really gave God any credit, even though my mouth said I did. Um, and I think it's so much different for me now because worship is so important in our walk with God because it gives God all the glory, and we need to give him, like, everything that's in us. You know, it's, it's very easy to come here and feel condemned. It's easy to come here and feel like you're not worthy enough. Like, kind of like what Brian Voss shared two weeks ago. It's like, by the grace of God is that we're even here. We get, even get a chance to seeing and be in fellowship with one another. I mean, if you look around us, look how diverse we are. Like, the world does not accept this. It's not, this is not common. This is not something that, you know, it's not like, they're like, oh, wow, that's really cool. It's like, 
man, are you guys sure you guys really love each other? You know, the world sees this as, as fake, but we see that as the glory to God. And so I really hope this morning that, you know, we're having a really, we're having a worship Sunday, which is really cool. The theme is you are holy. So we get to hear from a few others, a little more testimonials about what worship means to them. And I really hope you guys connect. I really hope that you guys can give your heart and your emotion and give God all the glory through our worship. And, um, yeah, and just, and just, you know, one thing that really helped my heart too, really fast, I want to share with you is that something that has been helping my heart a lot is this feeling unashamed. You have to feel unashamed to really worship God. You can't worry about the person next to you. You can't worry about, you know, who's looking at you. You just got to feel unashamed, like, Lord, I want to give you all my heart, give you the glory for everything that you've ever done for me. And I really hope you guys connect this morning. And so let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray, and then uh, we'll go ahead and watch a video. God, I just want to thank you so much for this time just to be here right now, Father, and just being able to really swim in the, in the grace Father, and and swim in your blood, God, that you've poured out for us, Lord. And I just pray, God, that we're able to connect with you and we're able to surrender our hearts, God, and give you the glory, Father. I just pray that this morning that if anyone's going through anything, Father, that that they may be feeling troubled with God, I just pray that you just reveal yourself to them, Father, that that the, the Holy Spirit will just dwell in this place, Father, richly in our hearts, God. And I pray that you continue to be with our service and continue to be with our hearts, Father. I pray that you just break down the calluses, the walls, uh, anything that we're feeling this morning, Father. And I just pray, God, that you really speak to us and that you really uh, shine your glory and, and, and give, give all, all, all our best to you, Father. But we love you so much, and we thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. morning. A few of us will be sharing what worship means to us today, and I want to start with Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. I have learned the secret of being content, whatever the circumstances, through him who gives me strength. Twenty-nine years ago, I became a Christian, and I really look forward to our first church service in the Boston Garden, the uh, facility where the Celtics and the Bruins play. It's changed its name, but Um, until I walked downstairs to the basement to drop off my kid for Kids' Kingdom. Luckily, I was with the woman who studied the Bible with me and watched her hand over her 10-month-old to someone she never saw before. This was a big regional service. And said, Emily Adams, 10 months old, Lexington House Church. I said, oh, my God, she did it. I really thought about running. I really asked her to hold my diaper bag. I thought, I can't do this. And I imitated her faith in spite of how scared I was, how nervous I felt, and said, Jennifer Johnson, nine months, Lexington House Church. And it was the beginning of learning how to worship. Um, I believe imitation is the greatest form of flattery, but it's also the best way to learn. Why reinvent something that other people are doing well? And there's many of us who do a good job of certain things. Several years later... Calvin and I went to Cambodia to serve in the Sihanouk Hospital. He was in the hospital, and uh, our daughter and I were in a remote village serving and doing triage for patients. Pat Gempel and I were asked to teach the midweek lesson. So I was really excited to see about 100 disciples in the Cambodia church attending and sitting in a three-sided structure with a tin roof. 
And it was, I was looking so forward to it, and still it started to really pour rain, really pour rain. And what happens with rain is the rodents who are outside come in. So the floors were covered in mice and rats, and I was scared. I was freaking out inside. And I looked at the faces of the disciples there. This is their home church. I had no intention of ever insulting them, but I wanted to hide. I figured it was going to be canceled any minute. It wasn't. So I continued looking into their faces and saw peace, which obviously transcends all understanding, love for God and for one another, and worship, closing their eyes and singing and praying. And I said, oh, my God, thank you for this experience. It was memorable. About 10 years ago, our son, our youngest son, became seriously ill. And many times he could not attend Sunday service. And one of the times uh, was particularly bad for him. I felt the need to stay home with him. I felt hopeless. For one of the only times in my life that I've really felt hopeless. It's a pretty serious word to me. And... What I thought of was a couple, Jen and Rick Dabney, who we were studying the Bible with and really thought, I can't leave them alone at church. I want to be with them. I want to worship with them. I want them to feel my love for them. And the opposite happened. I came to church and felt the love of the Dabneys for me, who are disciples and still here and doing great. And I needed God and I needed the people around to be with me. I believe that worship begins very early in the lobby, in the parking lot, with those blue shirts or otherwise. I look for people who need to be encouraged. We need to worship with joy. We have a normal life. There's stuff going on every day, the good, the bad, and the really bad. And we come to church. We can't change the day. It's always Sunday. This is the day. And we need to worship with joy. We need to give uh, a minute in relativity time, to what God has given us. I am so passionate about worshiping God. I don't have the voice that these people do, but I love God as much all the time. And I think it's really helpful for me to look around. I need something sometimes, and I run to a friend and say, pray with me. I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm hateful, I'm something. Or I look for someone's face who has that same look. And I say, whatever's going on, let's pray and go in and worship. For me, worship has grown deeper and deeper as my faith has grown, as I've learned. And it's Philippians 4. I've learned to be content, not perfect, not happy, not silly, not something, but content enough that God is here in our worship. This is his altar. We do come to it, and we are served by the people who serve but we don't need it. We just need him, and we need to show him weekly how much we love him and how much we need him. Thank you. Good morning. Um, my name is Vita Fountain, and, um, you know, some people know I'm an educator, so I think about things in a different way sometimes. Um, but worship is defined as an act of devotion. Devotion meaning Religious fervor, fervor being something intense, a feeling or expression. Worship is 
an act of reverence. That's honor, respect, and profound adoring that for us we give to God. Um, and I think the key part of that is the act. So before I be coming to this church um, a good 20-something years ago, I used to go to church every Sunday because that's the thing my family does. We go to church. I go to Sunday school, um, Baptist training union, stuff, stuff on Saturdays. I go to Awana on Wednesdays. Like, I was an avid church goer. And I say a church goer because I wouldn't say I was an avid worshiper. Um, church on Sunday, if, I, if it was a good Sunday, I would stay awake. Because so, my mom, when I told her, I was like, Mom, I'm going to a new church. I really like it. Her first question was, do you stay awake or are you falling asleep? And so, because basically after the singing in the beginning, I was knocked out. I probably never heard a message. And so, I don't know if that was, I wouldn't say that was probably the minister's fault. Because he probably he was like a relative of mine. But it was really, my, in my heart, um, I just wasn't there. I wasn't in the presence of God. And so, I really lacked the ability to worship God truly. Um, but in life, we all worship something. Now, I'm not saying that every something we worship should be worshipped, but we all worship something. Because there's some extreme fans out there, you know, people who love their sports teams and um, things of that nature. But that takes a certain type of worship, you know, when you, when you, when you commit yourself to something like that. Um, how you respond to something really shows that you value it. And worshiping God shows that I value God. Um, in Luke 4, 8, Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So at church, now at least, <laughs> uh, worship is easier. I can respond out loud. I can raise my hands. I can pray. Um, I can sing with all my heart and participate and engage in worship and know that's what it is. And it's evident. My gratitude, my relationship with God, it stands out to me at least. Um, I can enter God's presence and give him myself, especially when I'm here, because I'm surrounded by people who are doing the same thing, especially if you're not sleeping. Um, but when, it's, when, when I'm walking through my daily life, that's when I think that my worship is really authentic or genuine. It's when I'm at home or at work um, with my family and friends. Families really test the worship a lot. Um, it's, I get to really see that God is who I value most. And um, in Psalms 96.9, it says, Worship the Lord in all his splendor and his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. So my ability to personally worship God um, when I don't feel or see the blessings is definitely a challenge to my heart. Because now at this point in my relationship with him, I know the difference between um, truly worshiping, Truly being devoted, having that fervor, recognizing that reverence for him, and when I'm not just, like, wanting to do it. It's a decision. It's a daily decision for me at that point. So, for me, I have to be surrendered and recognize that God is so much more to me. So, worshiping God means that I thank him for what he's done and what he's allowed me to do in my life. I'm able to be grateful um, for the fact that I can do things well because I know it's through his strength. You know, that I, but heart, soul, mind is everything that I have and able to do comes from him. And so for me, worship is not just 
showing up and and doing those things that I know corporately um, demonstrates my love and affection for him. But it's being able to worship him um, sacrificially when there's things that I don't want to necessarily give up, but I know that he has my best in mind. Worshiping him in obedience, knowing that the scriptures say and following it blindly and wholeheartedly. Um, Worship and submission and seeing that the people around me who he's trusted, I've trusted to have in my life that um, also want the best for me. And worshiping in stillness and in waiting. It's in stillness in my quiet times, that's, that's easy. Um, and waiting, being patient for to see my life and my future unfold. That's when worshiping God um, really stands out and affects me the most. Thank you. You know I gotta fix this mic. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> Good morning. It's so um, it's really a privilege to share about what worship means to me because it means a lot to me. It's I think the thing that drew me back to God really when I was in a really dark place in my life and and I had really no words, you know, to to say to say to God when I was trying to figure out what do I really believe, how do I really feel about God. And how does he really feel about me? That was a big one for me. So I have to say that the time um, that we have together singing is really what I look forward to the most on Sundays. I I mean, you know, I probably should say it's the preaching, but <laughs> I mean, singing is, you know, we're, we're singing words from the Bible a lot of times, right? And we're singing thoughts from the hearts of people who love and adore God. So it's pretty much comparable, but... I think my heart is just encouraged about the fact that there are so many scriptures about singing and how singing and praise go together, you know, and that singing can shut the mouth of Satan and that singing can uh, really, we can sing our troubles away when we come in here and um, that angels sing night and day to God. I mean, that is, sign me up for that job when I go to heaven. Like, can I be on that crew, please? And that God sings to us in Zephaniah, you know, and that our singing um, is like incense to God. And it's really amazing to me. When you study it out in the Bible, you'll be blown away by that, I think. I can walk into church so many times with so many things on my heart, and I know y'all can relate to that. And I can close my eyes and just focus really on how much God loves me and how much I love him. And lock arms, you know, with my brothers and sisters and sing the mess away. And just close my eyes and sing it all away. And worshiping God through singing with all of you can really set my heart right, too. It can help me to make decisions that are more in line with what God wants instead of what I want or what I think is expected of me. Um, I think of my time... I think of it as my time to remember how powerful God is and the victory that is already his. And a lot of times our music is about that. The words are about how God already has the victory and we just get to be part of it. You know, and I love doing that with all of you. You know, this whole idea of corporate worship is is really quite biblical. (laughs) And a lot of times it's set up a lot of victories to be won for God in the Bible. Um, in Ephesians 6, it says that if we put on the armor of God, we can take a stand against the, de- the devil's schemes. And I really think of that when we're together. The unity of us singing together really does that. Um, and it, it 
oftentimes fills my eyes with tears and my heart with so much joy. And sometimes at home, I just shut away into a room. Usually it's our guest room because no one will bug me in there. And I put on my favorite worship music and I just sing to God. And I always find myself telling him like over and over. I just keep saying like after a while of singing and just thinking like this is me and God just hanging out. I'm singing to him. I always end up saying, I love you, God. I love you so much. The scripture that captures how I feel like God gets my heart aligned with him when I sing, this scripture, it's in Psalm 27, and it really helps me to put him back in the place he belongs in my life. It's one thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. For the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. And that really is the place that I long to be when I'm singing to God with all of you in this battle that we're in together. Thank you. The book of Isaiah, we're going to be looking at the book of Isaiah a little bit. One of the uh, stories that was in that uh, video we watched. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's, uh, it's so great to sing together. I hope uh, you're getting a lot out of that today, just being able to worship together, sing together, to learn from each other. Um, as Elaine shared and so, several shared, we are hearing from a few voices today of what worship means to you. And I love that last song, You Are Holy. Uh, and we, we saw the video a little bit about, of a background about what holiness is. And that's really our, our main objective as the worship leaders, uh, the team that's up here. We are not trying to perform. We are not trying to, you know, showcase our abilities. Um, there are some, some people that have amazing talent, like virtuoso level talent, like Joe, for example, is a virtuoso level electric guitar player. But you would never know it because he's trying to... He's trying to do something which is, uh, is help you to connect with God. And so it's not about him, it's about you, and it's about God. And so, you know, we're just kind of the, the backup for you. You are the choir, and God is the audience. You are not the audience. Does that make sense? And really the, the goal is that you would encounter God. And we learn about God through our interactions with each other. We certainly learn about God through creation, as we just sang about. We learn about God from his revealed word and scripture and from Jesus, the embodiment of his word. But we also really learn about God from each other. And uh, when you encounter God, one of the first things you understand about God is his holiness. And if you're new to, to the church or if you, 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 know, you didn't grow up in church, that word holy is not, it's not a word we use in, in our everyday society. And uh, if we do, it's usually kind of a negative connotation. You know, maybe somebody who got religious and now they're, they're annoying, you know. And, uh, oh, yeah, that person is so holy now, or they're holier than thou. Or, uh, and we think of it usually in terms of some kind of moral correctness. Uh, and, but but that's, that's just the tiniest little bit of what the word holy means. Um, the word holy is the Greek word karosh, and it means a, a set-apartness, a sacredness. The word holy means utterly unique, utterly unique, utter uniqueness, utterly unique. God is set apart. God is transcendent. God is different than anything else in, in creation. He's set apart from creation. He is the creator of everything. Um, and um, if you've ever experienced maybe a, 
nature, you might have had this experience in nature, like, uh, or, or some, some kind of experience with the transcendent that's not just being in church or the Bible or whatever. Like, for example, my, for myself, I remember, I have this vivid memory of being 16 years old, and um, I was learning in science class about, I was taking physics and, and in high school and learning about, uh, you know, these laws of physics and learning about, you know, how big the universe is and clusters of galaxies and light years and, and uh, what a light year is and how fast light travels and all that kind of stuff. And just, you know, I love that stuff because it blows your mind a little bit. It's like my mind doesn't, that doesn't fit inside my brain, you know, these, these scales. And um, I remember sitting on my parents' porch and uh, we lived right on the edge of kind of a, an open area where there wasn't a lot of light. It was this big fields. Uh, in Pueblo, Colorado. And Pueblo, Colorado is a smaller town, 100,000 people, so there's not as much light pollution as in L.A. You know, in L.A., you look up at the sky and you see maybe four or five stars, right? But Colorado, uh, where I lived, you could sometimes see, uh, this particular night, you could see the Milky Way, and you could see a lot of stars. And I just remember sitting on my parents' porch and, and just kind of thinking, wow, I'm 16 years old. Like, and the light that's hitting my eyes left there millions of years ago. And just, I had this sense of, I am so small, and I am so insignificant. I am so nothing in comparison to this grand universe. And maybe you've had that kind of experience, you know, uh, seeing uh, the Grand Canyon, or standing on a cliff, or, uh, you know, being out in the ocean in, in huge waves, or something where you're just like, wow, I am small, I am frail, I am fragile. And uh, that's really the, the idea of holiness. It's kind of about a, pr- a presence, or an, or an experience And the first time the word holy is used in the Bible is in the story of Moses encountering uh, God in this story that we saw in the video, The Burning Bush. And we don't have time to really dig into that story, but one of the things we learn from that is Moses is scared to death. First he's curious, what is this? And then he's terrified and he wants to hide his face. And he's told, take off your sandals, the place you're standing is holy ground. So we learn that not only is God holy, but... What surra- everything surrounding God is holy. And, and, and we have to change something in order to come into His presence. You know, the ordinary, the mundane, the, it's just not appropriate. You know, the, these sandals, He's a shepherd, so He's walking around with sheep all day in, in, the, in the muddy, dirty, mucky muck of sheep. Uh, and so there's something about those sandals that they got to stay out from this presence of God. And so we kind of get that idea in this story, and that's reinforced throughout the Old Testament with the laws that were talked about in that video of, of holiness and, and, uh, and all of these things where human beings are trying to make themselves at least a little bit worthy to come into God's presence. But, but what the story becomes is that no matter how hard we try as humans, we can never really measure up, right? We can never really be pure enough. We can never be perfect enough to deserve, be deserving of God. That's really the, the story of the Old Testament. But, uh, but there's, a, there's a, the story here in Isaiah that they mentioned in the video I want to look at a little bit. If you turn there to Isaiah 6, uh, and I'm going to put it on the screen here in a second, but Isaiah has this vision. He sees, he uses pro- prophetic language. He saw this vision of, of the Lord himself in his temple. And, and he says there's smoke and there's uh, it's, there's shaking, and, and he's on this throne. It's a physical manifestation of God. And, and his reaction is something we're going to learn from and, and what happens in the story. Uh, it says, In that year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. That's really the goal of what we want from our worship service, is that you would see God in that way, high and lifted up, as, as the song goes that we sing sometimes. 
The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. So in this vision, Isaiah wakes up, and he's somewhere he's not supposed to be. He's in this holy temple, in the Holy of Holies, the place that no one's allowed. And he's there in the presence of God. And uh, the, the image is full of all this temple imagery, but like, like to the extreme. And so seraphims are part of the temple uh, decoration. And, 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 and what seraphims are, if you're not familiar, they're kind of an amalgam of creatures like, uh, you know, birds and, and lions and humans. And, and what they represent, they're symbolic creatures. And what they represent is creation. They represent all of nature. And so the, all of nature symbolically is praising God, saying, holy, 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 uh, set apart, transcendent, unique uh, is, is the Lord. And the whole earth is full of his glory. We see this connection between creation and God, the creator. And so what would, what's his reaction? You know, think of what, what would your reaction be? Would you be like, oh, wow, this is so awesome. I just want to be near God. and This is incredible. And, you know, I would like to think that. But his reaction tells us something, uh, and, it's, and it's, it's consistent with every interaction anyone ever has with an angelic being in the Bible. Anytime anybody comes in contact with God in the Bible or any angelic being, they are just like, please don't kill me, you know. Usually they fall down prostate, prost, I would say it wrong, prostrate. <laughs> Not prostate, prostrate. They fall down right on their face, you know, they're, they're just... Isaiah is just overwhelmed by this vision. You know, when, 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 whenever uh, demons would come in contact with Jesus, they're screaming and shrieking, please don't kill us. Uh, Peter, when he encounters Jesus, when Jesus raises these miraculous, does a, a miraculous uh, catching of fish, he says, away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And so uh, Isaiah has a very similar response. He says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king. The Lord Almighty. That's the reaction that most people have when they really encounter God. And so as we're trying to come together and, and trying to create a worship service where people encounter God, we've got to recognize when you really see God for who He is, usually that's the way you're going to feel. Is, oh man, I am, I am unclean. And I live among people who are unclean. And if you haven't ever felt that, then A, you probably haven't encountered God. Or you haven't really been aware of yourself. Because when you're aware of yourself and your real humanity, you recognize we are all fallen. We are all broken. We are all a mess in the flesh. Uh, we are all in need of, there's a gap. You know, God's holiness is so perfect and, and so pure and so beautiful and so amazing. There's just a huge gap between us. And no matter how much we try to get to God, we fall short. That's really what sin is, is it's falling short of the glory of God. You're, or, or, or you're looking to other things to try to fill up what God's, only glories, God's glory can fill up. So you're worshiping other idols, you're worshiping other things, hoping to get that God fix. You know, hoping to fill that God-shaped hole. But nothing works because only God can fill that hole. And yet something has to happen to, to bridge that gap. And so in this story, it says... One of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from the altar. 
With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. What, what would that be like? You know, one of these crazy creatures starts coming towards you with this burning coal of fire right at your face. You know, that would be terrifying. You're already scared in this vision. And then that's happening. You know, whoa, what are you doing? You know, that's often how God comes into our lives, isn't it? In a little bit of a scary way or a God, what are you doing? I don't like this God. You know, I, I just picture, you know, the dentist chair like, what are you doing? Ah, the thing's coming right at his face. Uh, but what happens? It doesn't destroy him. It doesn't, it, it, he, he's probably expecting to be completely obliterated. And yet it makes him holy. God's holiness spreads from his space. God's, God's holy space invades Isaiah's personal space. And it makes him holy. And it, it says your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Who does that make you think about? Jesus, right? Isn't that the definition of Jesus? That God, Jesus is God coming into our space, coming into, you know, our personal humanity. Share, the Bible says he shared our humanity. He's able to empathize with us because he's felt everything we've felt. He's experienced everything we've experienced. And yet he was absolutely holy himself. He was absolutely perfect himself. And, and there's more to it than I have time to talk about right now. But if you're not familiar with the story of Jesus, I really encourage you to, to sit down with somebody here in the, in the congregation, uh, a friend who brought you, or, or meet somebody and just get the Bible open and just, who is Jesus? Why did he come? What does he expect? And you'll see that he lived a perfect life that we could never live. But he did it so that we could be holy. So God could say to you, you are holy. You know, we say to God, you are holy. But God could say to you, no, you are holy. Not because of anything you've done or anything you've earned, or, but because I've invaded your space and I have uh, I, my own purity and my own goodness and my own transcendence has overwhelmed your sin, sinfulness. And you might think, oh, that's not possible. I can't believe that could happen to me. Or I'm, I'm too gone. I'm too far gone. Well, you're in good company if you feel that way. That's kind of a good spot to be because we all feel that way. Uh, and yet that's, that's the, the miracle of Jesus, that Jesus... Uh, came to earth to be able to live a perfect life that we could never live and to die for our sins on the cross to make us so that God could say to us, your guilt is taken away, your sin is atoned for. That's why we uh, celebrate every Sunday uh, what Christians have been doing since the the first century is taking some bread and taking some some wine, uh, sharing a meal together that symbolizes Jesus' body and his blood given in atonement for us. And we're going to do communion a little bit differently than we normally do today as an act of worship where we come forward and, and take communion together. So you're going to have about 10 minutes uh, where, when you can choose to come forward either by yourself or with a friend or, or whatever. We'll have a little time of silence and meditation. And then you can come on forward and there's going to be uh, bread and, and wine up here. And, and after you take communion, you can go to the sides and there's uh, trash if you have trash and, and kind of move through. But again, we're going to have 10 minutes. We're going to sing some songs as we uh, take communion together. But the songs we're going to sing really express this last part of the, of the chapter here. I'll, I'll share this and then we'll pray. In verse 8 it says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Uh, you know, there's a reaction Isaiah has, and that is, I want to give myself for this. I want to open myself completely to you, God. Here I am. Take me. You know, there's a, there's a, when you recognize how God has self-given, you want to give of yourself. 
And, and just to be honest, I think this is what we need to work on in the church. You know that first song we sang today? We're singing Rejoice. I'm going to sing with all of creation. And I'm looking out, and some of you, there's a funny dynamic where when you're out there, you don't think you can be seen from up here. But you are just as close to me as I am close to you. So we're singing, uh, you know, I will lift my voice and join the song, and creation is singing, and, and some people are kind of like, Rejoice, rejoice, lift my voice and join the song. You know what I mean? Sing and shout. <laughs> you know, the point is that all of creation is like, ah, oh, God is amazing. And, and then, so what is that saying to God if you're just kind of sitting there like, I love my voice. And, uh, or maybe you weren't even here for that first song. You know what I mean? Like, what is that saying? Um, and, and again, this is not I'm, not, I'm not trying to guilt you out. Your sin is paid for by Jesus, right? Uh, the point is the response. If you don't feel this way like Isaiah felt, you're probably A, not in touch with God's holiness and who God really is, or B, not in touch with your own <laughs> need of God's holiness. And so that's why we come together, is to connect with those two things. And that's why we have communion, is to connect with those two things. So we're going to sing a couple songs that really express this idea of, of giving back to God and, uh, and because of what he's done to us. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. Uh, and it's a response of uh, a, a Eucharistic response, a Thanksgiving response, a communion response to God. Of, You've done so much for me, God. I can only be grateful. Amen. So let's pray and then we'll have a time of, of silent meditation. And then again, you'll have a couple songs, 10 minutes or so to come forward when you'd like. God, thank you so much that uh, you didn't treat us as our sins deserve. Uh, thank you that you sent Jesus to pay the price for our sins because we are unable to get ourselves into that holy place by our own goodness. No matter how we try, God, we are fallen, uh, we are broken, we are dirty, we are ruined, like Isaiah said. But thank you that through Jesus, we could, you, know, you can say to us, your guilt is taken away, your sin is atoned for. That's an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. And I pray that as we sing these songs and as we share communion together, this, as we're gathering around the table, I pray it would really mean something. I remember growing up uh, the, in the church, where I grew up, there was a, t- a literal table up front where communion was, and it said, we gather here in remembrance of Jesus. And, and, and that's really why we're together today, is to gather around the table and remember what he's done for us. And Bless the meditation of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I love this time together today of just really worshiping uh, corporately, personally, um, really being focused on it. Because what that scripture tells me is that, you know, the therefore that's in there, therefore live your lives, pour out your lives as an offering to God, all comes after the part where we just stand in amazement at who God is. 
There's that phrase from uh, Gladiator, I think it is, that, that, that goes something like, what you do in life echoes in eternity, right? Well, what you do on Sunday echoes throughout your week. This is such an important time for us to commune with God, to connect with each other, to lift each other up and to build each other's spirits and to build our own conviction about how good God is and how unworthy we are and what a great mission he's given us to live as light in this world. What worship means to me is a time to rebuild that faith, to rebuild that strength that I need to live my life for the week, to rebuild that connection I have with people I haven't seen in a few days or maybe even a few weeks or months, and to just say, we're in this together. We're a community, the light of God, the light on the hill in this part of our world, and how encouraging it is to be together and to say, you know, I was laughing because all these uh, you know, sisters, lovely ladies, and musicians up here. I guess I'm up here representing the awkward, stiff, unexpressive white guys. Um, Dave Atkins, come on, buddy. You know, when I first started going, and, and I know the temptation is to kind of just sit back and to be stoic and to go, yeah, that's that's really good, but I don't sing. You know, I'm I'm just I'm I'm staying within myself right here, right? And when I first started going to church uh, 36 years ago this week, I think, well, it was when I was baptized, um, we sang a cappella. There was no band. Uh, we sang what's called four-part uh, gospel harmonies. Everybody had a part. That's how I learned. Everybody had a part. Pick a part. If you can't sing one of them, then fake it. Just pick one and try you know, sometimes with the band, we can get fooled into thinking that it's about them and it's not about us. But, but the same holds. Everybody has a part in our worship. Everybody belongs. Everybody must contribute. And, and, and dads and men, and especially you stoic types like me, uh, let me just inspire you, persuade you, encourage you, admonish you to step into the worship. Not that you're not doing it, but if you're not, if you're if you're just not there, get there, because it is such an important part of leading your family spiritually to show that you love the Lord, to show that you can express yourself that way, to show that, that you care more about what he thinks of you than what the rest of everybody here thinks about you. Um, that's what worship means to me. It's an opportunity to step forward and say, I belong, I believe, and I'm here for God. And so let's be that way all the time in our worship. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.